are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday we got a quicker show for you today, but one that's important nonetheless. We're going to touch on a couple of topics today. Uh, first and foremost, things do feel kind of different around the Pelicans, and that is a very, very, very good thing. I'll explain kind of what it is. Then, one key thing for the Pelicans this season that's going to make things better for them on the offense and defensive end. One Key thing, if I can ask them to improve on one thing, it's probably this. And then I've got a rhetorical, somewhat rhetorical question for you that was posed by our friend Tony East of Locked On Pacers. Who's the best player that has no realistic shot at the MVP this season? I'll give you my answer. I'm curious to hear who you pick as well. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. So after practice, Stan Van Gundy said something that was genuinely surprising to me. And it really started to hammer home the point that the Pelicans feel different this year compared to last. And they should. There's a new head coach. There's been a good bit of roster turnover, no Drew Holiday. They should feel different. But as I talked about last week, I'm still wary of the culture kind of being fixed like some people really want to say it is with the addition of Steven Adams, of Eric Bledsoe, um, and Stan Van Gundy. But I'll tell you, this week hearing him talk, you know, I'm not going to buy into the pictures that they send us and all of that stuff, but I'll mention those two in a second. That, you know, after hearing him talk, after hearing the kind of franchise talk and other people talk at the various media availability, yeah, it does feel like things are different, which you know what? That's the first step towards fixing things. If they weren't feeling different, it was a lot of the same old, same old, which is what I'm worried about. We'd have a big problem right now on what day, like four or five of training camp. That wouldn't be a good thing whatsoever, but it doesn't feel that way. So what Stan Van Gundy said, which surprised me, was the Pelicans had a two-a-day practice. That is genuinely shocking. This comes on the heels of them having a three-hour practice just filled with drills on the first day. This was not what you really had done under Alvin Gentry. And frankly, this style of practice hasn't really been the most popular in the NBA in a while. Look at Monty Williams having done that and then, you know, switching more to an Alvin Gentry style where less practicing, more focused on other things and trying to just keep an upbeat atmosphere. And then you need to kind of reverse course from that again. But you you look at, say, the Golden State Warriors, some of these other top teams in the league, they're not running drills as much necessarily, but they're also good teams. So maybe they just don't need to. But clearly this Pelicans team was in need of a shakeup, like a slap in the face, right? A three-hour practice on the first day of training camp is going to feel like that. Doing two-a-days is going to feel like that. And then they're scrimmaging, I think, tomorrow, today, depending on when you're listening to this. That's 
It's a lot. Like that's a lot to put on these guys. And, you know, particularly after kind of a weird off season, people are a little bit more out of shape than normal. Maybe you want to ease them into it and they're not doing it. Like Stan Van Gundy, you know, he loves his walls. He's, he's smacking them into it right now. I like this. And the fact is the players are responding to it, which is somewhat surprising too. No, don't even pretend unless you're Jimmy Butler. And I think some of that's for show that, you like three hour, four hour, five hour, six hour practices or however long it's going to be. No one likes two days. You don't. No one does. But these guys seem to be happy that they're doing this. They may not like it, but they understand it. They respect it. And they seem happy to be doing it and putting in the work. And if you're trying to change things from last year, this is exactly what you need. And so when you hear J.J. Reddick kind of jokingly talking about that, you know, training camp and he's going through this crap again and uh, drills, 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 he's saying it sarcastically. He's not being like, you know, I don't think we need to be doing this. This is different than what I've done before in the league and I've had a lot of success. You know, when you say it sarcastically like that, like there's a degree of this isn't a problem. And so hearing that's good, hearing Brandon Ingram be excited to do defensive drills to improve on that side of the ball, maybe you are starting to see at least the first baby steps in the proper direction, at least, of culture being changed, of this Pelicans mentality being changed. And I'm excited by that. I'm skeptical about this. It's not going to change that that culture and kind of that attitude isn't going to change unless it starts with Zion and Brandon Ingram. Ingram's saying the right things at the very least. It doesn't sound like we've had huge issues with any of the practices so far. That's good. That's the first step that you want to take. It is a slow and probably long process. But you got to start somewhere. And it seems like they're starting. And it does seem like it's going well. So I think this is like the first day when I'm like, okay. It's not just a new voice talking to these guys. Which is an important thing in and of itself. But that voice is getting through to them, and this does seem like it could pay long-term dividends. Today is the first day that I'm feeling like that. It's encouraging. It's the start of the year. That's what you want to be feeling like better than not. We'll see if it actually changes things, if it makes big enough improvements to get them into the playoffs. But hey, this is a good first step. So coming up, we're going to talk about the one change that improves the Pelicans probably more than any other change, both offensively and defensively. I'll let you know what that is in the next segment. But before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Yes, they are truly that good. I just reordered and ordered caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and cookies and cream. I'm excited to get them in because I eat one of these things daily, basically for lunch, right after I work out. They're great. If you're looking to just be a little bit more health conscious, looking to lose or maintain weight and these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Some have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. So you're not going to waste all that cardio that you just did. Plus they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're actually delicious. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar. You've got to give them a try and to give them a try, go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. All right, so we're going into training camp. The Pelicans obviously have a lot of things they need to fix. They're going to try and improve in various areas with that, but it's tough to really make kind of that, you know, big jump, right? 
But if there's one thing they could focus on to really try and improve this season, what would it be? What you know? What's what's the magic thing here, right? That they do that that significantly changes their fortunes at the team as a team. And there's one area I think that affects them both offensively and defensively, and that is turnovers. And so if there's one thing I want to see the Pelicans fix, it's turnovers. Let me explain. Turnovers obviously give you empty possessions offensively. The Pelicans, despite having moments where they look good offensively last season, still according to basketball-reference, ranked 17th out of 30th. Not, Not great. So if you want to improve on that, you know what? Don't turn the ball over as much. The Pelicans rank 29th in turnovers per game. 16.4 times per game they turned the ball over. And they did it on their offensive possessions 13.9% of the time. So 14% of the time they turned the ball over. That's second worst in the league, both of those numbers. Empty possessions is going to lower your efficiency. That's not going to make you a good uh, scoring team. And for a team that wasn't efficient to begin with, doing anything like that where they would often shoot themselves in the foot and how many of those turnovers were unforced errors, right? Where they just did something stupid. Throw the ball out of bounds. You know, it's not like they were they had their pocket picked on a steal or someone intercepting a pass. It was just stupid little things like that that really add up and can hurt you over the course of the year. So cutting down on that, frankly, just means you're going to be a better offensive team. If you can get to 13 turnovers per game, 10, um, that might be too much of a jump. But really cutting that down, I think it's realistic. And it's not like there was one main culprit for this sort of thing. This was a number of guys that caused these turnovers per game. Lonzo Ball had three per game. Drew Holiday had three per game, and Brandon Ingram had three per game. Well, uh, Drew Holiday's not there anymore, and you come in with Eric Bledsoe, who last year averaged 2.4 turnovers per game, so it's better, a little bit better than what Drew Holiday was. If Lonzo can cut that down by maybe half a turnover a game, or Brandon Ingram, um, or Zion Williamson can cut him down by half turnover a game, Brandon Ingram averaged 2.5 per game. Those are the only guys, really, that matter that were above two. Cutting that down means you're going to be making the most of those offensive possessions, scoring more efficiently, and it helps your defense because then opponents have to inbound the ball and they can't run against you. And we've learned that transition defense is a problem. But transition defense was a problem because the Pelicans had so many live ball turnovers last year. It's one thing when you throw the ball and it goes out of bounds and your defense gets back and gets set and the opponent has to inbound it. It's another thing when the ball's out there on the court, they just run over and grab it and all of a sudden are now on a fast break. And opponents averaged 15.4 fast break points per game against New Orleans last season. That is second worst in the league, only behind the Dallas Mavericks. If you, you can dive into it even more, teams playing transition against New Orleans, according to the NBA stats tracking website, shot 56% against the team, an E-field goal percentage of 63.6%, second worst in the league. This happened 15.6% of the time they played, and teams scored 21 transition uh, points against New Orleans last year. New Orleans gave up 1.16 points per play in transition opportunities last season. That's a combination, one of turning the ball over and then live ball turnover, all of a sudden opponent has a fast break, and then, you know, just not getting back in transition, you know, even after a made shot. Turnovers helps both of that. 
because teams just have are going to have fewer chances to run. You're going to force them to at least inbound the ball, which is better than not, to be perfectly honest. And if they're drilling down on this as much as Stan Van Gundy's making them, they're going to be better in transition just getting back. Cut down on those turnovers where it doesn't matter if you get back quick because if you turn the ball over in the backcourt, it's an easy two points the other way. So cutting down turnovers is going to help you both offensively and defensively, and that's a really important thing. They might struggle with spacing and some offense at times. Don't gift easy points to the opponent that mean you score zero yourself. It's one thing to just kind of get outworked when you score and then the opponent races down the court and gets a gets a layup. At least the score is remaining even, two to two there, right? Not two to zero, which is what happens when you turn the ball over, zero to two. That is what's going to hurt New Orleans. So improving turnovers, okay, if I can pick one thing, that's going to help them both offensively and defensively. Coming up, interesting question posed by Locked On Pacers. Who is the best player that has no chance to win the MVP award this coming season? I like this one. I'm going to pose it to you. I'm going to give you my answers. Uh, so let's dive into that coming up here in just a moment on Locked On Pelicans. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here in the Locked On Pod, Locked On NBA podcast, I should say. We'll get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, including me. Plus, waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. So Locked On Pacers had a great question that I kind of dug and I want to use it here and basically steal their segment for my show. Thank you, Locked On Pacers and Tony. So their question was, it's very simple. Who's the best player that has no chance at winning the MVP award? So say you're taking Giannis out, you're taking Luka Doncic out, you're taking LeBron James, Anthony Davis out of the mix. Um, You could say that Steph Curry has no chance and someone said that to me on Twitter, but he's actually third in the MVP odds right now. So say let's remove him as well. Um, who's the best player left kind of out of that group that's probably not going to win it. So like Kevin Durant is probably in that mix if the Nets have a good season, particularly with the story of the comeback. So I don't want to include him in this, but if he's an MVP favorite, does it mean Kyrie Irving's not? And I don't think Kyrie really has a chance. If that Nets team is good, it's going to be good because of Kevin Durant. So I think he's in there. James Harden probably has no chance of winning MVP because of everything going on with Houston right now. I think that one's kind of interesting. And Jimmy Butler, do you really think he has any chance of winning the MVP award? So kind of of those guys that have no chance of winning MVP, who is the person you think is the best player? So let's make it easier. Let's take everyone according to my bookie that's got plus 2000 or better worse odds um that's jimmy butler joel mb donovan mitchell jason tatum kyrie irving russell westbrook devin booker and paul george ben simmons bradley beal kyle lowry zion williamson we can probably stop there of those guys who's the best player and i think it's an interesting question um looking at it i think it's gotta be probably a toss-up between Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. So basically, they have no chance of winning MVP according to these odds. Which one's the best player? Do you like the dominant big man who struggles to stay healthy? 
who is so good defensively and can do it all offensively. Do you like Kyrie Irving, the creation that he creates as a point guard, the score that he is, one of the best finishers we've ever seen in the league around the rim? I kind of lean towards him, but I'm I'm a little bit biased towards guard play because I like that better than big men. I thought this was an interesting question. So we're ruling out Luka Doncic, Giannis, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Harden, Davis, Lillard, Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola, and Nikola Jokic. So you're taking out the top... What is that? 20, 20 guys here leaves you all the rest of them. I think Jimmy Butler might be the best, have the best actual odds to win MVP out of, you know, the people that we're considering, but I don't think he's the best player. And I think it is Kyrie Irving or Joel Embiid. Russell Westbrook's in there too. Um, but I think his game just isn't going to translate enough. And I, you know, he's a guy that I like, but I don't know if he's better than Kyrie Irving is. So it's an interesting question. I'm curious to hear what your take on this is. So let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. And that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Go check out Built Bar, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order. Again, let me know on Twitter who the best player who has no chance to win MVP is. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.